Thanks for listening to the show. Join us online at playvolutionhq.com and learn how to support the show at explorationsearlylearning.com slash support. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Kick back, settle in, and let us fill your ear holes with early learning information, wisdom, and advice. And now, here's Heather and Jeff. Welcome back to Renegade Rules. Jeff Johnson here with Heather Shoemaker. How you doing, Heather? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great. I'm loving the series we're doing. I love this topic. We've been talking about weapons play, and uh, this is going to be episode number four in the series, and you teased it a little bit at the end of the last episode. We're going to come back, and we're going to, in this episode, talk about how adults who are maybe a little bit uneasy, haven't really embraced this type of play in the past, can kind of uh, get their minds around it and start kind of figuring out ways to support it and, uh, and embrace it a bit with their kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that as, you know, if you're interested in this, um, uh, it's usually because a child is leading you there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, you know, the adults might not think of these games by themselves, but if a child is leading you there, then, then keep in the back of your mind the renegade golden rule, which is if it's not hurting people or property, it's okay. And keep that in mind. Is it, hurt, is it actually hurting somebody? Is it hurting their bodies? Is it hurting their feelings? Is it breaking the, the building or the, you know, the lamp or something? And if it's not hurting people or property, then how can you say yes to this play? How can we say yes? Can I, can I push um, pause so for a second? I got a question. Yeah. Um, when this play is going on, the, the feeling hurt kind of thing is kind of hard to – sometimes what looks like feelings being hurt um, is really part of the play. And so I think we need to – when we're when we're looking at that, we just need to pause a little bit and make sure that's something we're really seeing. That I just wanted to. I think yeah, there's that some... we're not interrupting. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, if, if there's fake crying or there's fake anguish or you know fantasy. Yeah, th- yeah. There's it, there's in play. You can say, is this part of your play? And are you both okay? Yeah. You know. Yeah, exactly. But don't get in the way too much. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that. All right. Um. Yes, so for adults, if you're intrigued by this, but you really are uncomfortable, and there's many of us in this category, you're most likely to be in this category if, one, you didn't do this kind of play yourself as a child, mm-hmm. two, you're female or you, you are, um, have a personality that's just not as high energy as what these kids are bringing, and um, three, you have a child who's really into this stuff, but... Um, you're worried because of things in the news or because of what other people are telling you around you that this is going to make your child bad and violent and grow up to be aggressive and evil. Um, so let's think. Of, let's unpack this and, and think about it a little bit okay. with, with um, child development glasses on. So playing with weapons is not going to make your child be violent or evil, Um you mentioned the last episode, none of your childhood friends grew up to be ex-murderers. What many classrooms find that go from a no-weapons-at-all policy to <laughs> allowing weapon play is that the classroom becomes more peaceful when they allow 
this whole range of play ideas. Yes. More peaceful. Now, why is that? Well, there's no power struggles going on between the adults and the kids. And this kind of play is out there. So if there's a need to intervene and say, hey, you know, Sam didn't, um, is saying he doesn't like having that sword in his face and help them sort out the conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're so motivated to keep the game going that they're going to be motivated to solve their conflict and gain those skills, gaining those conflict mediation skills is what creates peace in the classroom, peace in the world. So when, so, we, when, we, when we allow power struggles to take place in the play, they are less likely to take place in the, the real-world parts of the classroom? Well, they become more meaningful, I think. Um, a lot of the power struggles that we have between kids and adults really aren't necessary ones. <laughs> But the ones that come up through play are necessary, uh-huh. meaning they're, they're meaningful to both the kids, and so great learning can happen. Okay. Um, and they're motivated to try to solve the conflict because it means a lot. They want to get back to the game. Um, and, and, and so they can learn a lot about how to negotiate next time. You know, they pick mm-hmm. up the game the next day. Often these games are so interesting, they're going to do it the next time. Yeah. Um, that that same friend comes over to your house or the next time they're at the classroom. Mm-hmm. And they will have learned some skills of how to uh, negotiate rules together and how to, um, you know, make sure that one of the kids doesn't like something as, as, as um, loud and fast as the others. They're going to be more aware of that, you know, gaining social awareness of other people and empathy for them and, and um, figuring out how to negotiate all the rules. So when they say that bringing this kind of play into the classroom makes a more peaceful classroom. It's because the kids are gaining the skills they need to create peace. Yes. And eliminating at the same time unnecessary power struggles that can cause everybody to spiral out of, out of control. I, 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 I hear, I mean, I do hour or two kind of keynotes on this topic and then like whole day things and I've talked to I just to to reinforce what you said earlier I talked to so many programs after the fact that that went back and kind of looked at how they dealt with this kind of play and decided they were gonna gonna take steps to figure out how to how to embrace it and support it in their classroom and exactly what you said happens the the amount of of real fighting and 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 real behavior problems and real acting up in, in, in the classroom uh, plummets to to the point where where staff and parents are are both kind of uh, left slack jawed about it because it 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 just it just seems to be be the way that uh, that uh, that things go and so figuring out how to embrace that is it's I mean it's a series of baby steps you have to take to to get to where you right. can support this kind of play right right. So some of the things that you can do, I mean, as an adult, you need to think about where you're starting. And I think it's important that adults don't take such a huge step without feeling comfortable. Mm-hmm. Now, there's different ways of doing this. If you're in a, in a school program and you are maybe a new teacher or you're a teacher that's been teaching for 40 years, and actually this is a new idea for you, that can be harder. Yeah. Um, to have somebody in your company who is fully comfortable with this can mean everything in the world. So maybe you're still not comfortable, but you're in the present. You're co-teaching with somebody who is comfortable with it. Then step back, follow their lead, and try to watch. And you know what words do they say? How do they interact? Why are they not concerned? This can really take some, um, you know, pressure off. Mm-hmm. 
but not everybody has that. So here's some steps. Um, maybe in your program you've always said no weapons. Well, some programs start with swords are okay, mm-hmm. you know, but we're not doing guns yet. So maybe that's a baby step for mm-hmm. your group. Um, or maybe anything magical is okay, but not if it's too realistic or um, what are some other ones? You know, we're not going to buy the toys, but if they find a stick, you yeah, know, yeah, then we're not going to shut that play down. So think about some of those really basic things that are just small that you could start with. Um, and then some some people have more things like, um, okay, it, you know, any toy weapon's fine, but not pointed at people's faces. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, find some guidelines that, that help you feel comfortable. Because sometimes a child will, say, point a, a toy weapon at my face. I don't mind. I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. But I do I do like, a, um, I, I taught my own kids, um, particularly the one drawn to this kind of play, to ask first. Mm-hmm. Do you want to be shooted? <laughs> I used to ask people, can I bang you? <laughs> you know, because you want to be banged. <laughs> Well, consent consent is always no. important. Uh, yeah, it's it's the, the, those simple steps, and I think I, I, you take a baby step you're comfortable with, and I think the 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 next step in that process is you you stick with it until you get comfortable with it. Um, I, I always talk when I'm talking about this. There's this there's this kind of wave you ride. The you try this new thing, and for a while the fear and anxiety just increase drastically and you're asking why do we make this change and because it's a new thing for everybody involved the parents and the kids and the staff and and you get a the 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 inclination there is to go back to the way you had been doing things and so being able to breathe through it and and allow this process to work out and it usually takes about two and a half to three weeks from what I hear from programs in my own experience for the new thing to get comfortable and become the new normal and then you take another baby step Step and and try the next the next new thing and kind of kind of inch your way along. But that that yeah, bit of panic there, it. yeah, that bit of panic yeah. there when it's uh, when it's brand new, the first day you're trying it can really be intense and kind of scare people away from making change. Right, right. And maybe another um, step you could take is having a designated area where this kind of play is okay. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's a part of the playground outside, or maybe it's one of the rooms you know, in your indoor space or one part of it. Uh, and so that, uh, partly so that you have a break <laughs> yeah. because this is a new thing for you. And so it, you're maybe not willing to have this kind of play happen all the time. So when kids are in this area, it's okay. And when they're not, then we say, okay, we don't do it in the lunchroom or whatever it is that you can find a certain designated area. Um, yeah, have and and you know just as you start to embrace it, doing doing a basic uh, risk assessment because if if you're gonna if you're gonna give it a try, you've already you've already thought about the benefits if you're if you're if you're willing to take the step to start changing your practice. But look at th- what are the risks here? If can we allow it in this area? There's a lot of there's a lot of table edges and and there's not much room to move around here, so maybe it needs to be in this place over there. And just that kind of little space assessment um, and and finding a a safe, easy to observe place for it to take place that's not going to interrupt too much of the other stuff going on in uh in the setting is is a is a great baby step to take right and thinking about spaces um uh i know at the school for young children um the school that i went to as a child they also had uh, they respected the idea of safe 
zones or safe spaces. So if other children had fears or were worried about this kind of play, that there'd be a um, in the same running room or area that, that the big play was going on that included weapon play, they'd have a little corner, usually just a, a piece of wood on, on um, feet so it'd stand up mm-hmm. and uh, have a, a red cross universal symbol <laughs> first aid and it said safety corner and you knew that you could go behind that spot and watch what was going on and nobody would get you they couldn't shoot you there they couldn't bop you on the head you know it was a I love safe that. place to watch and observe and a lot of kids need that and feel uh-huh. it including the kids involved in the play some kids once in a while would take themselves out of the play go around to the safety corner hang out and breathe for a bit mm-hmm. And then come back in, self-regulating. I mean, that's amazing. And other kids who weren't used to this kind of play at home, um, they would just hang out at the safety corner watching what was going on, observing. Uh And sometimes they would have fears. Not just the adults would have fears, but kids would say, are they hurting each other? Are they mad at each other? Are they going to hurt each other? And then you can always – those are important to clear the air. And you can, as the adult, say, hey, Henry, you know – Joe's worried that, that you guys are really having a battle and a war. Are you, are you going to hurt each other? Are you going to kill each other? No, this is a game. And look, you know, yeah. that kind of kid-to-kid reassurance uh-huh. can be really helpful. So safety corners can be a, another aspect of um, a physical, uh, a tangible safe zone. I love the idea of, of building that into the environment. And, and it really all does come down to to thoughtfully – set up and managed environments not only the physical environment but but the emotional environment yeah emotional environment yeah yeah so it's it's a way of helping kids um, feel safe and to let them know um that we're just playing it's a game and um because some kids don't feel safe and Mm -hmm. and you can talk about you know real weapons and and things too the fears they may have and that's that's all part of emotional growth and having somebody listen deeply to their fears and feeling respected. Yeah, yeah. I, I think another step parents and caregivers can take along this lines, and maybe maybe probably before changing anything in the classroom, is is to to bone up on the topic. I mean, we've put together, this is going to be over an hour, close to an hour and a half of, uh, of podcast on the topic, but, but there's more out there. If you go to the, uh, the Playvolution HQ site that I manage and, and search weapons play or rough and tumble play and those kind of uh, search terms, other stuff will come up, podcasts uh, that others have done. I know uh, Dan Hodgins, when he had his podcast, that, that, that he addressed this episode. Lisa Murphy and I have talked about it. I've got links to articles and that kind of stuff up there. There's some good books linked to there. And so dig into the topic a little bit more to help get yourself mentally ready for it and, and, and again, emotionally ready for it before you start making too many changes in the physical environment. Because another thing, if you're in an early learning setting, uh, another step you're probably going to need to take if this is going to be something you try to embrace for the first time is explaining it to parents mm-hmm. and yeah and feeling you have to feel comfortable enough with it yourself yeah. in order to explain it to others yeah so um you can go slowly and there's great things um um also the, the it's okay not to share book in particular has chapters on weapon play and power and action and all this rough and tumble play and exact words you can say to the kids and 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 um 
and talking about adult fears. So, yeah, bone up on those. And I, I got to tell you, Heather, um, a month or two ago, Lisa and I were talking about this. I think it was in a podcast, and uh, and she said that those chapters in in that book were probably the best laid out and easiest understand, easiest to understand um, access point for 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 parents and caregivers onto the topic because it's just it's just nice and clear and the language is there and and so that's a that's a great resource for people. Okay. So yeah, it's funny the the teachers at the school for young children um, who helped me with the, the, the writing the book uh-huh. they uh, they actually turned to the book um, and it, when parents come with oh what about the why are you doing this and as as a resource because it, it even if you know it and you've been doing it for years and you are comfortable with it sometimes the words just don't come and you can't yeah. think well how can I put this yeah. how can I say this so the parents can understand and I know. Um, at school for young children, they also have right up front, they know a lot of parents are going to be worried about weapon play. So they have right in their handbook, um, yes, we have weapon play, mm-hmm. and here's why. And just write down a few things and, and, and be upfront and comfortable with it and be and feel strong. Because a lot of parents, it's their first kid, they're worried, and we need to be the mentors to help them through this rather than being worried ourselves trying to gain that confidence to say, here's why. Yeah. This is child development. Here's why it's good. And, and um, that, that's going to come in handy even even if you're, you're dealing with your own child and have to explain your, your change in policy stance, um, uh, what you allow to, to a spouse or to grandparents or, or, or the neighbors being able to, to, to have that, uh, those resources to say, okay, here's, here's why I'm doing this. Here's why we're making right. this change is, is good. Even, even if you're, you're just dealing with your own family. Um, right. any other, and it doesn't have, yeah, a couple of things. It doesn't have to be everywhere. Uh-huh. So if you, if you have your kids playing with, you know, allowing them to do this kind of fantasy play at home, but grandma just won't have it or, you know, yeah. Aunt Susie or whoever it is, it's okay to say we don't, um, you know, Aunt Susie's not comfortable with this game at her house. So to be kind to Aunt Susie, we're not going to, um, play that game here. You can do it. You know, when we get home again, uh-huh. it's it, learning to be respectful of what worries other people. There's going to be culture clash when you come to something as contentious as this. Yeah. It, the kids don't think it's contentious, but the adults do. Uh-huh. Not everybody likes sword play. That's a game we can play at home or that's a game you can play at school. Or, you know, there's certain kids know, you know, we go to the library. We don't have sword fights there. Um, <laughs> different places can have different rules and it won't confuse the children and, and the um, neat the neat thing is that being allowed to participate in this kind of play actually helps kids self-regulate enough to be able to not play that way at the library or grandma's house right if they have an opportunity to do it and and frequently then they'll be able to, to, to control it yeah they don't have to do it every moment um so that's important the other thing i would say particularly for parents is give yourself time you know, maybe taking one baby step is all you can do mm-hmm. for three years. <laughs> you know, your kid would actually want you to move faster than that. Yeah. If you can't move faster than that, give yourself a break. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to function. You need to feel okay. And most of the time, if you're with your first child, people are just more uh, worried about this. And by the time number three comes along or, you know, you're, you're parenting the grandkids or whatever yeah. you're doing – um, you've relaxed into, oh, it's fine, you yeah. know. <laughs> so, so give yourself a break. It will come with time. 
but we can't force it. You can't force yourself, and you can't force the kids to hurry up your emotional development. Yeah, I, I think another piece of this is 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 have a support system. If if you can find people to reach out on on to online, if you don't have them in in your your immediate life, uh, having that support system, somebody that's been through this before, is is always a good idea, no matter what you're dealing with. And and I got to tell you, if if you're if you're looking for support, get a hold of me through my Explorations Early Learning website or Facebook page. If if you need somebody to have your back on this, and because I've 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 actually been able to you know connect programs that are interested in this change with programs that have been through it just to kind of mentor and and uh, and support through that process and that can be a valuable thing when you're when you're looking at making a change as big as this. Very cool, yeah. Because you might not, as you say, have a local mentor, but you can connect in this world yeah. with those who can walk by your side. So the kids will thank you, and um, it, it's, it's all good. Jeff and I both do workshops around the country, so if this is a topic that you really feel that your staff, you know, they support play, they support social-emotional development, but they're really not comfortable with weapon play, then invite one of us to come out and talk to your program, and we can, we can be a mentor right there on the spot. Yeah, yeah, and as we wrap this one up, we this is four episodes on on the topic of weapons play, and we think we've covered it pretty well. But as you're listening through, um, if you do have have questions or there's something we didn't address or so, or something like that, get a hold of uh, of of one of us via the interwebs, and uh, maybe we can come back and if not do a whole episode, uh, uh, touch it up and do do some mop up on the topic in a, in a future episode because there's a there's a lot of moving parts to uh, to to this topic. Yeah, yeah. So I just like to end with a little quote from a parent who um, brought her child to school for young children, and she just said, "Special thanks for helping me deal with my child's immense love of guns and bombs. <laughs> As a complete and utter pacifist, this has been a challenge for me, and I think many of us can relate." So, yeah, absolutely. You know. I love that. That's so beautiful. Good luck out there um, accepting your child's play and understanding that your child is a, a good kid and that you can be a caring adult by allowing his or her play to continue. This has been Renegade Rules. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Music by Alexander Shoemaker. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.